The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, by Shauna Kozar. Episode 3, Bright Falcon. saw the call on Moot's message board in the section reserved for the tavern. Officially, the tavern was called the Starting Glass, a play on the title of some popular old Scots or Irish song, and the fact that in role-playing, everything started in a tavern. Lucas suspected that the song was mainly about farewell and dying, cloaked in the guise of having another round. Unofficially, the tavern was called the Ale and Hearty, because the tavern was where one found purpose, adventure, and new friends by drinking in words, and depending on who you elected to go with and how you were kitted out, it might be the last place you were hearty for quite some time. As in role-playing, so in life. Except toasting in texts never led to a hangover, Lucas thought to himself, which, when you got up to four o'clock in the morning to start your next shift, was a definite bonus. He might join. It would let him practice his English and might be a welcome distraction. He loved listening to the stories his grandmother told him as a boy. They were bright and glittering and kept him warm inside. Not that he was ever actually cold. They scared him just enough to keep him sensible and inspired him to keep dreaming. Dreams, though, were capricious, cruel things. Lucas realized too late, after making the dangerous, overcrowded crossing to his new life by sea. Why had he gone that way, idiot? The wheel well of a plane would have been better. Cheaper and potentially shorter. Cold, yes, but he didn't fear what he couldn't feel. Dying in the air, falling into and through it didn't scare Lucas either. Such a death would be like embracing his element, he thought. He'd become like a comet or a falling star, much better than drowning, where the water would extinguish his light. He hated the water. To add insult to injury and pay off his exorbitant fare, his first job had been working as a cleaner on a cruise ship line. Water as far as the eye could see, and thousands of people who treated him no better than the dirt he cleaned up day and night. The dismissive passengers were the ones Lucas preferred, the ones who took no notice of him. Those who did notice him, the overweight, self-absorbed, made-up men and women were not to be born. Fortunately, Lucas was strong, wiry, and quick, and he could always get away. He was here a minute ago, they would say, bewildered, blinking as if to clear an afterimage. But then he just disappeared into thin air. But what kind of life was it if all you did was escape from one kind of abuse or oppression to another? 
he left his last ship at a likely port, disappearing with his pay as soon as his debt was cleared, which took less time than he thought it would. Because he had no home to go to while he worked for the cruise lines, he never sent any of his pay to family or took unpaid leave. Lucas found it ironic that he worked in an industry which was designed to give people their dream vacations, and yet he was never allowed without additional sacrifice to do the thing he had to work so hard to give others. But because he never took time off, he was always paid and never had to pay rent on land. He took the lowest level of accommodation on the ship, an upper berth near the storage area deep within the ship, and that was free. His co-workers asked him how he could stand to live in a cramped, dark place with no windows. Windows on the ship either showed him people or the sea, views he would rather avoid in his precious off hours. He shrugged and said he never really thought about it. Now things were a little better. He was saving up to train as a pilot. If you were going to be a slave to your dreams, they may as well be good. He found a job delivering for Acheron, the international purveyor of all things at a click. Now he delivered people's dreams in boxes. He liked boxes. They were regular, unassuming, and behaved themselves. They never leered sideways at him or confessed to his boss that he slept in his delivery van. Lucas never left any clue as to his sleeping arrangements, and he was always tidy, bright, and early for work. He wondered whether the bigwigs at the company knew that the name Acheron, the name that they had chosen, was one of the rivers of the underworld, named for pain and woe. Probably not. Rivers of boxes full of other people's constant, unfulfilling consumption. These Lucas could handle. He made himself comfortable for the night and decided to answer the call in the tavern. He accepted. Someone named Maria, no Mara, Mara Darkmage, replied almost immediately. Name? Lucas thought for a moment. He was going to call himself Fenist, after the tale of the bright falcon, but rejected that as a bit too fanciful. Yvonne, he typed. That's not your real name. Mara Darkmage countered. Lucas was never sure in text whether people were teasing or angry. He decided to answer carefully. Maybe, maybe not. But as the old saying goes, if there isn't an Ivan, there isn't a story. Lucas cursed himself. By quoting the Russian proverb, he may have given away where he was from and other things as well, like English not being his first language like the fact he was an immigrant and his papers weren't exactly in order. Well, he thought, in the stories, Ivan is sometimes a prince, sometimes a peasant, sometimes a trickster, sometimes a fool. He'd have to watch himself with this dark mage person and try not to be a fool. For Lucas, dark mage conjured up visions of Koshche the Deathless, the undying wizard, Frightening specter from his granny's tails, his immortal bones clicking ominously together as he flew in his dragon form through Ivan's childhood nightmares. His death was hidden inside a needle, inside an egg, 
inside multiple animals, inside a stone box in an impossibly high tree. Like the reverse of a gift, it was something you had to keep unwrapping once you had it, driven on by dread rather than anticipation, until you found the terrifying center of it all and destroyed it. But Mara was usually a woman's name, Lucas mused. It meant bitterness or sorrow or something like that. Oh, hell, he breathed as his suspicions took shape. But if this was her, he could spin stories to protect himself, and she might only have guessed that he was Russian. So what? She didn't know the good stuff. Didn't know that he wanted to go where he could be a pilot. More than just a pilot. Lucas wanted to find a place of endless sky where his very being could fly free. Roger that, comrade, came the terse reply. We are waiting on a fourth to join us, but the adventure will begin soon. Over and out, fly boy. The text practically cackled onto the screen. Damn, Lucas shuddered. After a while, he smiled. So it was her. The witch. She who truly haunted his dreams and never in a good way. He breathed deeply and composed himself to sleep for a few hours without dreams, as his new life now demanded. His last thought before slipping into darkness was that if he could tell his way out of this, he'd earn his wings for sure. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful, storied place, the ancestral lands of the Snamuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.